Hey, hey, welcome back to this Thanksgiving special. Hope y'all are having a great Thanksgiving today, spending it with family, friends, or whoever you are spending it with. We just hope you are having a fantastic day, and we hope you are having a good time actually listening to this podcast. Today I'll be answering the questions you have for me, and as always, this special is brought to you today by Yo Ring. Make sure to get your new toy at YoRing.com. Let's just get right to the into these questions, ladies and gentlemen. The number one question that was asked constantly is, is Lamar Jackson the MVP of the National Football League? Now, ladies and gentlemen, we definitely have a new candidate for league MVP honors, and that's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson this season has been an absolute stud. He's 9-2 nine as, nine as a starter this season. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He's completing 66.9% of his passes. He's had 24 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 111.4. This brother is phenomenal. And when you take into account the fact that the Baltimore Ravens have the number one offense in the NFL, led by the number one rushing attack in the NFL, courtesy of their leading rusher in Lamar Jackson, you cannot deny how good the Ravens are. Lamar Jackson this season, he's ran for 876 yards on just only 124 carries. What can you say? What can you say, really? Like, what What can you say? Folks, that, let me reiterate that. That's nine games this season with 124 carries. Do the math, people. Do the math. When you break it down, when you do the math... That's nearly 14 carries a game. So it's proven that this dude will run with the football and is killing defenses in the NFL. Folks, let's let's take this into account. He dropped 30 on the Seattle Seahawks. 37 on the New England Patriots. 49 on the hapless Cincinnati Bengals. 41 on the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. 45 on the Los Angeles Rams this past Sunday. Okay. And as we look at this here again, he, <coughs> excuse me. And as we look at this here against the Miami Dolphins, against the Cincinnati Bengals, against the Houston Texans, against the Rams, the Ravens have destroyed at least four teams. By a minimum of 34 points. They are in the midst of a seven game winning streak as we speak to one another. They are absolutely destroying everyone in their path. And they do not care. They shouldn't. They are bulldozing their competition. Lamar Jackson this season has beaten Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, and now Jared Goff. But... You know, the three guys I mentioned before, they're pretty elite quarterbacks. Jared Goff, definitely not elite. But mind you, he got paid. He has $110 million guaranteed, ladies and gentlemen. He's the league MVP as we speak. Lamar Jackson is the league MVP as we speak. But do I think that makes him the best quarterback in the NFL right now? Heck no, I don't. Because I believe your ability... As a QB to throw the football, standing in the pocket, if you didn't have your wheels to rely on, tells me about how, tells me about overall 
how good you are as a quarterback in terms of your ability to throw the rock. Not about whether you can win, not about what kind of athlete you are behind the center, but about how you can throw that football. Now, I know the game's changed, and all of that has come with it, but when I think about a quarterback, the first thing I'm thinking about is your ability to throw the rock and maybe, just maybe, we should all be thinking differently based on what we are seeing from Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a different beast when it comes to the NFL. Name me a defense that can stop Lamar Jackson's running. Maybe the San Francisco 49ers, but we won't see that game till Sunday night. Till Sunday afternoon, excuse me. We won't see that, man. I'm worried. I believe that a team like the Baltimore Ravens can make it to the Super Bowl for crying out loud. I mean, he's beaten Tom Brady already. He's beaten Russell Wilson. He's beaten Jared Goff. He's beaten Deshaun Watson. Who else does he need to beat for us to know that he's elite? To me, he needs to be nobody else. This man has proved to us how elite he is. But right now, if I'm Deshaun Watson with his athletic wheels, I might just have to emulate this more even though Russell Wilson was at the top of most of everyone's list for league MVP honors until Monday night. Heck, if I'm Russell Wilson, I've got to think about how effective Lamar Jackson is at running the rock and say to myself, hey, maybe I should start trying to do that. Try to implement that into my game. And see how that goes. I mean, there's no hurt in Russell Wilson trying to run the football. Is there? I don't think so. Russell Wilson running the football would not seem that bad. Russell Wilson is a very, very athletic man. He's a very gifted man. I would not mind seeing him run the football. And I said earlier, I wouldn't mind seeing Deshaun Watson Run the football. He has some very athletic wheels on him, ladies and gentlemen. He knows how to run. If he implements the run more in his game, I think we see a different Deshaun Watson than what Deshaun Watson than what we are seeing now. Not saying that the the Deshaun Watson we're seeing now is an elite, but he could take his game up a whole nother notch if he decides to run the football. And I I would love to see that. If you're these QBs, you have to you have to take it into consideration. All of that. Seriously, let me say again how much of a stud Lamar Jackson is because there's no way around it. No way in the world to deny it because this man is a baller. He's a straight baller. But we are going to learn a lot about him this Sunday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. I think most everyone wishes this was a flex game for the NFL and they could put this on Sunday Night Football because... This is clearly the game of the week. I've been talking with my good buddy Glenn Kozlowski. He claims this is the game of the week. I've heard Stephen A. say this is the game of the week. Max Kellerman say this is the game of the week. I've heard the guys over at 1280 Zone say this is the game of the week. Because this is. You cannot deny it. I mean, you got a team in San Francisco. Only has one loss this season. You have a team in Baltimore. Has two losses this season. They just dropped... 45 points on the Los Angeles Rams. The San Francisco 49ers just destroyed the Green Bay Packers. 
This is potentially this year's Super Bowl matchup. And you cannot deny it. There's no, I mean, once again, there's no way around it. Two elite teams going up against each other. Jimmy G, porn star Jimmy going at it against Lamar Action Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. This is a game to watch. You will want to watch this game from start to finish. And maybe want to put this game on on Monday night for crying out loud. You might want to rewatch this game. Because this is going to be that good. The San Francisco 49ers. I wouldn't say their offense is as good as the Baltimore Ravens, but the San Francisco 49ers offense as a whole, I mean, sorry, the San Francisco 49ers defense is a whole different ball game. Baltimore Ravens, they have a great defense, but guess what? They also have a great offense behind Lamar Jackson, Jackson behind that center. He knows what he's doing. And I can't, I can't wait to watch it. But in, going back to the original question, is Lamar Jackson the league MVP? Yes. Lamar Jackson is league MVP as we speak. We don't know what will happen these upcoming weeks. If Lamar Jackson screws up really bad, I could see him losing MVP. But if he keeps doing what he's doing, this man will win MVP by the end of the season. But I like what he says. I mean, he's not worried about the MVP. He's worried about getting to a Super Bowl. Okay? And I agree with that 100%. I mean, with Lamar Jackson especially, it's going to be great and all the win MVP. You're going to be very happy. But if you don't make it to the Super Bowl after being this elite of a team, you're definitely going to be disappointed. I mean, and it stinks. It absolutely stinks. All right? So tune in Sunday night. Yes, Lamar Jackson, MVP right now as we as we talk to one another. But I can't. I cannot wait to see... Cannot wait to see what happens Sunday. I love Lamar Jackson. Don't get me wrong. Love the man. Love the man. Also love Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson, number two on my list right now. All right. Question number two for me. How do you feel about Joel Embiid scoring zero points in Toronto? Ladies and gentlemen, first off, let me start by saying, seriously, Joel? Seriously? What in this holy world was that? I mean, you have got to be freaking kidding me. You played 32 minutes back at Scotiabank Arena, where the last time anybody saw you, Kawhi freaking Leonard had traveled all the way into a Game 7 game-winning shot. We saw you walking in the tunnel, literally crying to the point where Mr. Carl Anthony Towns ended up trolling you about it this season. Literally crying. You see the movie, A League of Their Own with Tom Hanks? There's no crying in baseball. Well, guess what, Joel Embiid? There ain't no crying in basketball. I'm afraid he was crying after his no-point game. But guess what? You show your face back at Scotiabank Arena for the first time since then, and you score no points. No points. A star on a night when the Giannis, when Giannis, another big man in the conversation for best big man in the league, drops 50 on the Utah Jazz, and you scored zero points. What kind of performance is that? I'm losing my mind. Uh, I could go out in an NBA game. No talent at all. And score no points. 
You could place anybody out there, and they would score no points if they have no talent. What the heck? I know everybody has off nights, but no one has a zero-point off night if you're a starter on an elite team that I believe can make it to the NBA Finals this year. I mean, seriously, what the heck? I am losing my mind. When I saw that, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I could. How? How do you score no points? I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, don't get me wrong, because Joel Embiid is an absolute star in this league, and I have some respect for him. Uh, is this wrong minor out there for you guys? I do not like the Philadelphia 76ers. Never have, never will. Ever since Ben Simmons bested Donovan Mitchell for Rookie of the Year, I've been a little salty. I've been just a little salty. Okay. I'm getting on Joel Embiid because you should never have a night like that because it's a disgrace and a shame. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. But we need to take this into account. Each and every single year, Mr. Embiid has been playing in this league. We have highlighted how he needs to stick his big tushy down in the low post and post somebody up and be a man. Okay? Post somebody up and be a man amongst boys, Joel Embiid. Every darn season, we point that out. Joel Embiid, stop taking pretty boy jump shots. Stop it now. Seriously, what is up with these jump shots? Where did these come out of? The three-pointers, the jump shots. Where are these all coming from? I, I think... You know, you could also put some of the blame on Brett Brown for crying out loud. He's not coaching. He is simply not coaching. He was not coaching. For your star center, arguably the best big man in this league, but I believe Giannis is better, arguably the best big man in this league, scores no points in the arena that we, when we last saw him, he was literally bawling his eyes out. Joel Embiid, with these jump shots, he thinks he's Kevin Durant, but he's not Kevin Durant. He is nowhere near KD. KD is a skinny 6'10 forward. Joel Embiid, a 7'1 big boy center. You need to start handling your business in the low post. Get down there, drop step, put your tushy on a defender, drop step, and nail it over them. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a simple process that Joel Embiid simply has not figured out. It is simple. You could teach it to a fifth grader and he'd understand it. But not Joel Embiid. It shouldn't be that hard for Joel Embiid at all. I really want to know, why is he taking all these jump shots? Why? He played 32 minutes once again and dropped no points. Zero. Zilch. The box score said zero. But guess what, Joel? The city of Toronto loves you now. Heck, guess what? They probably wouldn't even make him go through customs. They love him that much. Canada might send Joel Embiid a citizenship card in the mail for crying out loud. Embiid, you are better than this. 
and you know it. Start playing like it and stop it with the jump shots now. Do your dang job and everything will be okay. You do your job, everything's fine. Seriously, you do your job, you will win ball games. I like the Sixers this year to go to the finals. I really do. I will openly state that. The Sixers have that talented of a team to get it to the finals. Even without Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler leaving Philly was actually a good thing for them. He is balling out in Miami right now. He's proven that he's the Jimmy Butler we know he is. He's proving that. I love Mr. S- you know, I talk a lot of crap on Ben Simmons, but he's he's overall a good player. If Ben Simmons develops a jump shot, a three-point shot, he is potentially the best point guard we've seen. And that's when you can start making the comparisons to Magic Johnson. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they ain't shacking Kobe yet. They ain't shacking Kobe yet. You can't, you can't have, you cannot be Shaquille O'Neal and score zero points. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. I mean, that was, ladies and gentlemen, that is, once again, an embarrassment and a shame. You are a star in this league, and you drop no points. No, I mean, oh, my gosh. Giannis drops 50 on the Utah Jets, and that absolutely destroys us. Wins the ball game for the, for the, <coughs> excuse me, wins the ball game for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz had that game there for a while until Giannis started doing his business. It, it, it sucks. It sucks, ladies and gentlemen. It sucks. Joel Embiid, you got it. You got to improve. This week in practice, you got to look at yourself. You got to examine yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, what kind of player am I? I'm an all-star for crying out loud. I can't be playing like that. I cannot drop no points. In an arena I was in last time and watched Kawhi Leonard drill the Game 7 winning shot over me. I can't do it. I can't do it. Question number three. Is is this Carmelo Anthony's farewell tour? Folks, here's my thing. The Blazers, as of right now, are 1-3 with him. They lost their first three games with Melo. And they beat the Bulls when he dropped 25. He's averaging 16 points with 39% shooting from the field, which is not that impressive at all. While also shooting 39% for three-point range, which is impressive. Let's be very clerical about about what we are saying here. Melo was drafted in the same draft as LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. LeBron James, he never was or never will be a player like LeBron James. Chris Bosh, different animal. He won't be a Chris Bosh. Dwayne Wade, you can only compare Carmelo Anthony to Dwayne Wade when it's offensively. Defensively, we cannot compare Carmelo Anthony to Dwayne Wade at all because Dwayne Wade, much better defense. Much better defender. Carmelo Anthony does not know how to play defense. I don't think that man knows what the word defense means. But he's, he, you can compare him to Dwayne Wade when it comes to the offensive side. Because Carmelo Anthony is attacker. 
I like him back in the league, ladies and gentlemen. I've always been pushing for him to come back to the league. And I think he's, you know, he hasn't made too much of a difference on the Portland Trailblazers yet. But I think there's going to be a time when he makes a big difference. When we look at Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony, the thing that I have a problem with is what I don't think anybody is really trying to appreciate what he is saying. He's pretty much saying this. Are you trying to tell me I can't be a top nine player on 30 teams in the NBA? Let's think about that question for just a second. Think about that. Are you trying to tell me I can't be a top nine player on 30 teams in the NBA? Think about that. Think about that. The knock against Anthony wasn't that he couldn't play. They were saying he stalled the offense and held the ball. If he doesn't hold on to the basketball, ladies and gentlemen, and contributes to the fluidity of, the, of an offense, then Melo can sure as heck make a contribution to some team. He sure as heck can. Now, he'll no longer average 20 a night, but he could easily average 15, 16 points a game on 42% shooting. And that's solid. He's the guy <coughs> that I would consider coming off the bench and giving you around that 15 to 16 points a night. A guy you can depend on even to give you 10 points a night off the bench on 42% shooting. Even if he's starting, you can depend on 15, 16 points from him. Okay, he's at he's averaging 16 points a game right now. I like that. When he dropped 25 on the Bulls, no, we definitely did not see old Mello, but we saw Mello in a good form. We knew, I knew at that point that he could still play. He had it in him that he could still play. Okay? There is no reason that that should keep him out of the NBA. That's the point I'm trying to make. Because I'm not trying to say that Com- that Carmelo Anthony, as we once knew, is still that baller because he sure isn't. But don't ever tell me that because you can average 15 points a game on 42% shooting that you don't belong in the NBA when I'm watching dudes get paid who don't even do that. Brandon Jennings. Yeah, Tyler Eulis. You know who I'm talking about. You, 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 you people know who I'm talking about. We see those. That's his issue, and I think that's what we have to pay attention to when we are breaking down Carmelo Anthony. All the points I brought up, we have to break those down when we look at Carmelo Anthony and the contribution he's going to make to a team. That's that's what we have to pay attention to. Question number four. Before I had to break, this is the last question before I had to break. Actually, no. Let's just get all your questions in. What do I think about Ohio State being ranked ahead of LSU? Thank you for the question. That's a great question. When I think about this, I think about balance. Now, honestly speaking, LSU, Ohio State, whoever's number one, so be it. This quarterback for Ohio State, Justin Fields, did you know he's got 33 touchdowns? One interception. And oh, by the way, he has an additional 10 touchdowns running the football. Did you know that? Did you know that? The kid can seriously ball. And once again, I think about balance. I think about that Alabama game and Tua fumbling the ball and touching their first drive. 
Jerry Judy, arguably the best wide receiver on college football, dropping two touchdown passes. And I got two on skin playing on one leg. They still drop 41 on your defense. The next week, you come out of the tunnel against Ole Miss, and you gave up 37 points to an Ole Miss team that wasn't even that great. Did you know that the Buckeyes have not given up more than 21 points in a game this whole season? 21 points. No more than 21 points in a game this whole season. That proves how elite the defense is there first, ladies and gentlemen, first. They have a much better defense than LSU, okay? They destroyed Wisconsin 38-7. They beat Penn State, and if they hadn't fumbled the ball twice, it would have been a blowout. All I'm saying is this. When I look at LSU, I see an elite team that deserves props, and I wouldn't have had a problem with them staying, number one, but it's not like I'm going to lose my crap because they dropped to number two. Maybe if you played some defense, you wouldn't have dropped to number two. You wouldn't have. Play defense, LSU. You are a fantastic team. I have heard Marcus Spears. I have heard Ryan Clark's arguments about LSU dropping to number two, but I can't believe it. Because I've heard y'all's arguments for LSU being number two and how they should be number one. But no. People, this defense, they are... Listen to this. Listen to this. When I look at the schedule for LSU, this is this is what happened this season. They they gave up 38 to Texas. Gave up 38 to Vanderbilt. Gave up 28 to the Florida, Florida Gators, which is not terrible. Gave up 41 to Alabama. And gave up 37 to Ole Miss. LSU is undefeated as well as Ohio State. And all, and all I'm trying to say is that I think they have a suspect defense. Ohio State has earned this number one spot, and I personally like it. You got Mr. Chase Young closing in on Joe Burrow for the Heisman Trophy. Okay, I mean, that proves how good the defense is there. You got Justin Fields balling out. 33 touchdowns and only one interception on the season. Holy crap. And mind you, also, again, he's also run for 10 touchdowns this season. This brother knows how to ball. And I like watching him. Good grief. Mind you, both teams are undefeated. Both undefeated. Both great teams. But LSU has no defense. Okay? 38 to Texas. Good grief. 38 to Vanderbilt. What the crap? 28 to Florida. Okay? Like I said, once again, that's not bad. 41 to Alabama. Good grief. At 37 to Ole Miss. Good. I mean, you just can't do that. You can't drop that many points to those kind of teams and expect to be number one. I mean, you really can't. Now, I know Ohio State has had that great on the schedule as well, but I still think they deserve to be number one because the defense has limited the amount of opponents scoring. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Next question, number five. (coughs) Excuse me. Good grief. What do I think about Yasmani Grandal signing a four-year, $75 million deal with the Chicago White Sox? Ladies and gentlemen, I like the move for Yasmani Grandal. Okay, he's an old, he's an older gentleman. 
he plays a mean possession at the catcher. I mean, the guy, that guy knows how to frame the ball perfectly. He can still bat. I like the move. The Chicago White Sox are looking to improve that team. Ever since last offseason where they, when they were pushing for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, I knew that this was definitely going to be a team that we would potentially have to watch out for. Them and the San Diego Padres. Not going to lie. I mean, the San Diego Padres will be scary if they get a guy like a Steven Strasburg. But I like the move for Yasmani Grandal because I think he fits perfectly right into their offense. The White Sox have never really had a catcher who can hit. I mean, Wellington Castillo never really could hit. Then they got that one guy from Detroit. I can never... I could, uh, Alex Avila. I remember they had Alex Avila there for just a second. He couldn't, he couldn't really hit. Getting a guy like Yasmani Grandal who can frame and hit, he's definitely going to improve the recruiting status for the Chicago White Sox as well because when you have an elite catcher like that, an elite defender, and a guy who can hit as well and is also considered an all-star, you're definitely going to get guys looking at the team and potentially going, okay, wow, we could make some noise over there in Chicago. A team that really hasn't made a lot of noise in the past. Okay, I mean, this is this is just who it is. This is who it is. Now, I I liked the move because of a couple of you know I already said my reasons, but Yasmani Grandal. I wish the Angels got him for Cronella. I mean, I think he I think he 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 would have provided something else for us as well that we don't have. Great catcher, great catcher. My sixth and final question. Yeah, thank you for all the questions you you submitted. I had, I had to pick out the best ones, and these were just phenomenal questions, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate all your questions, whether you came up to me in person and asked them, or you texted me on Instagram. I mean, whatever. The final question is my all MLB team for twenty nineteen. Now, this is one of the I think this is the first year that you can vote for the all MLB team. Let me give you my all all MLB team. At first base, I got Pete Alonzo. There's a reason why. I mean, Pete Alonzo this season, he bat he was batting 260 at 53 home runs, 121 RBIs, only had one stolen base. I mean, ugh. and also had a 941 OPS. This man was a baller. He's what kept the New York Mets in the race for the wild card there for a little bit. He is what kept them in. I like Pete Alonso a lot. I wish he was on a different team other than the Mets, but the kid can the kid can hit. I mean, 53 home runs and 120 RBIs, good grief. A lot of guys cannot get over the 100 RBI mark, and most people cannot hit 53 home runs in a season. I mean, out of all the guys on the All-MLB team for first base, he's the only one with, <coughs> excuse me, he's the only one over 50, and he's also the only one over 40 home runs as well. Okay? Only Jose Abreu has more, oh, excuse me, there are only two other first basemen who have more RBIs than him, and that's Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. He had 121. And you also have Jose Abreu, who had who had 123. I was very surprised to learn that Jose Abreu had 123 RBIs. I've always liked Jose Abreu, though. So first base, I got Pete Alonso. Second base, I'm giving it. I know 
I know y'all are gonna hate me for this because I've talked smack on him, but I do like the kid. I'm giving it to DeJay LeMahieu. Kid this season, I mean, he was batting 327, had 26 home runs, 102 RBIs, stole five spaces, and had an 893 OPS. Guys, the kid could hit. As a hitter, you want to be hitting about the, I mean, if, an elite hitter is hitting about three, over 300. I mean, he was an elite batter. I mean, hitting 327 is definitely an award in and of itself because most dudes can't do it. I mean, the only other guy to hit 300 on the list for that was Whit Merrifield, and he was batting 302. I like DJ LeMahieu a lot. I mean, that Game 7 home run, top of the ninth he hit, that was so awesome. He was in the conversation for MVP. I personally think that, you know, he should have been second in MVP voting because of the season he had. He was a difference maker on that New York team. I knew that Aaron Boone could play him anywhere. He could play him at first base, second base, left field. That man played everywhere. I mean, he mainly was playing first base and second base. But I like DJ LeBayhu a lot, and that's why I'm picking him as my second baseman. Shortstop, I'm picking Javier Baez. Now, batting this season, I mean, he was batting 281, 29 home runs, 85 RBIs, stole 11 bases, and also had an 847 OPS. I liked Javier Baez. I, the kid can bat. I mean, 281 is not bad at all. But I'm also picking him for defensive reasons. That kid on the defensive side is unstoppable. You can depend on him to make out-of-this-world plays and just stun, stun the offensive players. Also, with the bat, I mean, 85 RBIs is not that bad. 29 home runs, you are, you're cranking it. He's cranking the ball. I like the kid. Third base. I'm picking me Nolan Arenado. There's no other choice for me. I mean, the other other guy I considered was Anthony Rendon. But I like Arenado over Rendon because of the glove as well. What I mean, Arenado this season was hitting 315, had 41 bombs, 818 RBIs, three stolen bases, and a 962 OPS. Rendon was very impressive, though, this season. I mean, he had a 319 average, 34 home runs, 126 RBIs, five stolen bases, and a 1.010 OPS. He had better OPS, he had better RBIs, had the better average. But I like Arenado better just because of the glove. Arenado, look at him. At that hot corner, Arenado's unstoppable. He's a guy I wish wasn't on the Rockies. I wish he was on a much better team. But I think he's that team. He's the, definitely the team leader over there. Everyone looks up to him. And you can expect a lot out of him. And guess what? He lives up to those expectations. And that's what I like a lot about Nolan Arenado. Let's go to catcher. Catcher for me belongs to Mr. JT Romuto. This season hitting 275, 25 home runs, 83, 83 ribbies, had an 820 OPS, and a plus 8 framing. Okay, this man was impressive. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about. JT Romuto was on just a Phillies team that just wasn't that great at all. Bryce Harper really struggled this year. Real Muto, one of those elite catchers in the defense. I mean, he is going to get paid one day just because of how good he is. I love it. DH, I'm going with Jordan Alvarez. AL Rookie of the Year, batting 313 this season, had 27 bombs, hit 78 ribbies, stole no bases, but had a 1.067. OPS. I mean, the boy was impressive. I expect to see a lot of him out of the future. And I, you know, he's on an Astros team. He's on an Astros team. He's going to be good, man. 
Outfielders, I can pick three guys, so guess who I'm picking? Of course I'm picking Mike Trout, of course I'm picking Juan Soto, and I'm picking Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich, second in National League MVP voting this year. I mean, it was hitting 329, at 44 home runs, 97, bom- 97 ribbies, 30 stolen bases, and a 1.100 OPS. This kid is impressive, and this is the future of baseball right there, Christian Yelich. When he moved from Miami to Milwaukee, I knew that it was a great move, and it improved a lot. He's been a most impressive player, all-star for many years to come, and definitely a guy you can count to be in the MVP voting every season. Second guy, Mike Trout, 291 this season, 45 home runs, 104 ribbies, 11 stone bases, 1.083 OPS. Your AL MVP, ladies and gentlemen. This man, this man has many more MVPs left in him. Going to be a top recruiter for the Angels this offseason. He provides everything you need in a player, best player in baseball right now. I mean, you can't argue with me on Mike Trout. Next, Juan Soto, sitting 282 this season, 34 homers, 110 ribbies, 12 stolen bases, also out of 949 OPS. This kid, impressive. World Series champ right now. Guy I like, guy I'm always counting on. Now, starting pitching, I can pick five. Okay, I'm going to Grom, Patrick Corbin, Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg, 18 and 6, 332 ERA, 104 whip, 251 Ks. I mean, to Grom, Cy Young, Corbin, phenomenal, Cole, phenomenal. I mean, we could talk about this forever, but I don't want to. Starting pitchers, I mean, they're, they're, you can't you can't argue a whole lot with me. Relief pitchers, though, this is where this is where I like this. For me, I'm going with Kirby Yates, the San Diego Padres, and Josh Hader and the Brewers. Okay, Josh Hader. I mean, this season had 37 saves, 2.62 ERA, 0.818 WHIP. He had he averaged 16.4 strikeouts. Over nine innings. This kid is impressive. He brings the left-handed heat. He's southpaw. Love the kid. He is super impressive. But let's talk about Kirby Yates from the Padres. I mean, he was the closer this season. He got 41 saves, 1.19 ERA, had a 0.89 whip, was averaging 15 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know what to say. Kirby Yates... I was on the Angels, had a little stint with the Angels there for a little bit. But he's turned himself into a most impressive player for the San Diego Padres. A guy they can depend on. Somebody they're definitely looking to to close out a game. Definitely somebody they're looking to when they're in trouble. Definitely somebody that deserves to be an all-star. Kirby Yates has brought it this season. San Diego, I mean, not the best team. They could definitely be a much better team. If they get a guy in the Steven Strasburg, I mean, they have the puzzle pieces there. They have Hosmer, they have Yates, they have Machado, they have Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, this team will be impressive. Got to get that extra puzzle piece, though, to complete the puzzle, and they'll be a much better team. But I loved Kirby Yates at that closer position. I knew he could play it. He did a really fantastic job at it. That's my all MLB team. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you. So, so much for sticking with me today. You guys are awesome. Always appreciate when you guys listen. As always, make sure to share with your friends, family. This I hope you guys are having a fantastic 
Thanksgiving today. Stuff your face full of turkey. Heck, even ham. I love a good Thanksgiving ham. The only reason I eat turkey on Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen, is for the turkey sandwiches the next day. What you do, if you have a lot of leftover turkey, you put it in like a Ziploc bag. You put it in the refrigerator, keep it overnight, have some turkey sandwiches the next day, put some Dijon mustard, a little bit of pickle. Fantastic sandwich. That's one of my favorites. Once again, hope you have a happy holidays. We are wishing you a very happy Thanksgiving over here at the Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bowls team. We appreciate you. We love you. We are so thankful for you this time of year. We hope you guys are having a fantastic day. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, peace and love. Love you guys.